Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Machine Learning. This week on our panel, we have Jason Mays. Hello there. Nice to see you all again. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And before I introduce our guest, I'm, I am going to mention that he's an author and that we are going to be giving away five copies of his book. Manning Publishing is who published it. So if you're interested in that, we will give you the URL at the end of the show and you can just go check it out and see how you can get a copy of the book. Nick Chase is our guest. Nick, do you want to introduce yourself? Are you a software engineer trying to learn machine learning? Then you should check out the course from Educative.io called Machine Learning for Software Engineers. It has 87 lessons, 8 quizzes, 115 challenges, 163 playgrounds, and 2 code snippets. In other words, it's not just a set of videos that tell you how to do the thing. It actually walks you through all of the processes for machine learning. It gives you quizzes. It makes you do challenges. It's very hands-on. It's done with experts from companies like Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and Apple. And it is a terrific course that I've been learning to do machine learning. So go check it out at devchat.tv slash learnml. That's devchat.tv slash learnml. And that'll take you to the right place. You can sign up for the course. Yeah, sure. I am, as you say, Nick Chase. I work for the cloud company Mirantis, and uh, I am the author of Machine Learning for Mere Mortals. I have been uh, in all kinds of technology fields for longer than I would like to admit, doing all kinds of different things. I had a friend who once said, you never want to play Two Truths and a Lie with Nick, because you will never <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Jason, I have to ask, does TensorFlow.js have two truths and a lie algorithm? <laughs> That's a good question. We might have to make one just, just for our, our guest today. Yeah, there <laughs> we go. Weed out those lies. <laughs> Pick up his tells. <laughs> yeah, really. So I like the title of your book just from the standpoint of it feels like when we look at machine learning, it's it's a new enough technology still to where there's enough mystery around it to where people feel like it's magic. And then when you get in and you feel you figure out, oh, it's you know, working in ways like weighting things and things like that, right? There's not like a direct logic to how it's making the decisions that I can read in my code. Once I've trained it, it does feel like magic anyway. So anyway, I'm curious why machine learning for mere mortals? And yeah, let's just start there. Like why the title and, and what's the approach? Well, I mean, you pretty much put your finger on it. Machine learning feels like magic. It feels like you have to be a PhD to understand what's going on. And, you know, you, you have to have you know 30 years of programming experience and and all that and really when you come right down to it it's it's like a magic trick that once you know how the trick is done you're like that's that's simple linear regression it sounds so formidable and intimidating and really it, it's kind of like you know when you were a kid and you played you know the game of hot and cold you know mm -hmm. it's like you know, you, you, am I clo getting closer to? No, you, you're getting you're getting farther away. Oh, I got to go in the other direction. No, you know, you now you're getting warmer. Okay, no, no, you're getting cold again. Oh, I go back this way. That's really all it is when you come right down right. to it. And 
when when you break it down to its core principles, it's like high school math. We're not even mm-hmm. talking like, you know, bachelor level math here. You know, if you had geometry in high school, you probably don't understand all of the math that is needed to understand the basics of machine learning. I'm not okay. saying you're going to go out and develop new you know, algorithms and things like that. I mean, that's, there are places where only the PhDs are going to play, definitely. But to understand the basics of what it is and how it works, it does not take, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to understand this, as they say, you know, it can be done by mere mortals. Right. And it's important for us mere mortals to understand how it works because we're the ones who are affected by it every day. Right. I guess, I guess what I'm wondering though is now, yeah. So when is it, is it mere mortals like regular developers or is it mere mortals like, <laughs> right? Like everyday people? Well, I mean, everyday developers can definitely pick up this course and go through it with, with no problem. I have, when I, sat down to do this course, I made the decision that I'm not going to assume that you know anything. Right. You have never programmed anything before, but you still can kind of understand logic. You'll be okay. I walk you through how to install Python and what's a variable and, you know, how to, you know, how to do basic Python stuff. In fact, it's, it's a, in its own way, it's also an introductory course to Python because you have to have something. And uh, I'm not even assuming that you know how to do Python. So anybody who has an interest in it can sit down, pick it up, follow the directions line by line, and go from zero to you know running a sentiment analysis. You know, the, the kinds of things that you just don't think that normal people can do but you can't make sense i'm, I'm curious yeah, jason just, oh go yeah, ahead sorry. <laughs> go for it. Um, yeah i was going to add to that like i i see a lot of people in our community as well on the javascript side coming from more of the creative backgrounds when they realize like the, the fundamentals of what's going on here is like okay this is not magic and you know i kind of get an appreciation for what the limitations of these things are and like you know where things can go wrong and once they're more mindful of that, they can start using even the pre-made models and, and make some really advanced things that are far beyond the original model creator's dreams. Like you make something for you know body segmentation and people will think you're going to use it to find a body, but you can actually use it to hide a body and all this kind of stuff. So like, there's many creative things you can do with these machine learning models too. And just perfecting what we're hearing there, like I see a lot of people, once they get that seed of an idea from learning how it is working, they can then go on to do great things with it. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's very exciting to see what somebody who's sort of their creative bent has not been put towards math or programming or whatever, for them to kind of see what's possible and then take it from there. It's it's wild. Yeah, totally. I think books like yours are really much needed these days. I remember starting my journey back in 2016 when TensorFlow basically just came out and 
you know, my background's computer science and web engineering, essentially. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try this machine learning stuff out. And yeah, that was kind of very optimistic at the time. <laughs> and <laughs> even, even having the resources I do working at Google, talking to the people who wrote TensorFlow, I still struggled to kind of really get my head around things. And, and you know, you'd see things described in a very you know, mathematical way. It's like, you know, max pooling and all this kind of stuff. Like, oh, what's that? And then after a year of actually looking around, like, oh, just take the maximum value in a matrix. Like, why, why didn't you just tell me that? You know, <laughs> so like little things like this and, you know, breaking it down is very important. It, it's true. Well, you know, the thing is that the people who wrote the software and the software is amazing. Okay, please. I, I am in awe of the software. I've, I've been programming since the 1980s. I would not even begin to say that that was something that I could do. But they're very, very, very intelligent people. And that's fantastic. They suffer what, from what is called the curse of knowledge, which means that they yeah. forget that not everybody knows what they know. There's, there's, one, there's one example in the book where... I've, I had to set, I'm, I'm telling you how to set the number of channels. And it took like probably a month for me to realize that I was trying to figure out what is the logic? Why is this number 32 or whatever? I think it was 32. Why is this number 32? And every place I looked, everywhere I looked, the number was 32. And eventually I came to the realization that the answer was, the number is 32 because the first person who wrote a tutorial decided on the number 32, and it's completely arbitrary. Just pick something. Yeah. Could be anything. <laughs> so, and that's the kind of thing. It's like people, they forget to mention those tiny little details that this is a completely arbitrary number. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've tried to, I've tried to avoid doing that. I've tried to demystify all of those things where you know you would just assume that well you know people would know what max mm -hmm. pooling is no people don't know what max pooling is you know <laughs> people don't know what you know what a, an activation function is you know it's, they don't yeah. know what this is you have to explain right. it and it, you you don't need to explain it in a way that makes people feel like like they're missing something Everybody who has an interest in doing this is good enough and smart enough to get it. Right. And that was really important to me in doing this book. Totally, yeah. I, I think just on that point of the curse of knowledge as well, there's a great example where if you, if we're all here right now and one of us taps out the tune with our fingers on the table that we can hear in our heads, like some song or something, and ask others to guess, even though you think it's really easy, the person who's tapping, everyone else will find it really, really hard. <laughs> and of course, it's because you've got that bias in your head that you have that information that you know what you're tapping and uh, the others just don't have any clue. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, that's always a good example, I feel, to, to throw out for that one. Yeah, that's that's it. And and so I think a lot of my, a lot of the work that I do, I've been writing, I've been writing tutorials I've written hundreds, maybe even thousands at this point, but I, I've written literally hundreds of tutorials since the, I don't know, 1990s. And my goal has always been to be the person who comes in and writes the tutorial that 
says the obvious thing. In fact, at Marantis, some of our most popular content is articles that are about basic things that you would think there would have been a basic tutorial about, but nobody thought to write it. Like <laughs> how to create a Kubernetes deployment, an introduction to YAML. You know, I mean, this is like the most basic thing and there were no tutorials on it at all. You know, so, but yeah, so, so I'm very, I love doing stuff like that. I love kind of demystifying things. That's my, I, I get a big kick out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting too, because just looking into some of the things that I've done to learn some of the machine learning stuff, and we keep saying a book, but it's actually a video series. It's actually a video class. Yes, that is correct. But yeah. there, it, it does have, it does have a transcription alongside the video. So if you're one of those people who prefers to read things rather than seeing it on the screen, you can do that as well. It also includes a number of notebooks so that you can try out the code directly as part of the discussion. So it's it's a very hybrid, it's a very hybrid thing. Yeah, I was going to say something very similar where if you're going to try and teach people about a particular algorithm or something like that, there are enough models out there to where you can say, look, this is what it does. And here's how you can plug it in. And then you can turn around and say, now we're going to dive into how it works. Exactly. And this is why it works this way, you know, because it, that's, that's the key. I mean, you can, you could give people models and that's fine, but unless they understand why it works the way it works, then it's going to be difficult for them to take that to the next level. Yeah, totally. I think whenever I'm presenting on these kinds of areas as well, it's always good to see that aha moment people get when, you, when you're explaining something like uh, a multi-layer perceptron and then and you, you just explain it in terms of additions and multiplications and you don't need to go into all the backpropagation kind of more mathsy stuff. You just say, okay, let's going to update the weights and you leave it at that. But it's enough that they get the idea that, oh, that's all it is. It's not actually intelligent, like my my brain. I mean, maybe it's similar to the brain. We don't really know for sure, but like you know, it, it's not conscious in the way that you, know, you and I are conscious, certainly. So, and then they realize, oh, that's why it's going to get things wrong, and why it's always going to give you an answer because it's just maths flowing through these tensors that are going to mm -hmm. give you a result no matter what, even if it's wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's very interesting to see that aha moment in people, and then and then they start going places with it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I love that. I just love that. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, we kind of talked our way around this, but do you have like a defined list of things that people need to understand about the basics of machine learning? You mean in general or before they come to this course? Both, but let's start with before they come to the course. Before they come to the course, all they really need to know is that they want to learn about machine learning. Okay. Um, well, I, I should take that back. You need to understand very, very basic math, like what a what the slope of a line is. If you understand, you know, the slope of a line from when you were in school, you're you're good. Right. So that's that that you need to you need to remember. But other than that, you really don't need you really don't need anything. Now, going forward, what you need to understand, like what like after you're done, 
you'll want to understand things like what is an algorithm and how can I use them and what's the difference between, you know, a model and an algorithm and why is why is it important to understand what my data is and what is data bias? Data bias very very important for people to understand, especially today, hugely important. So, and, and, you know, understand also, you know, what tools are out there that you might want to use. I mean, that's something that you can always find out later on your own, obviously, but these are, these are the things that you'll want to know by the time that you're done. And you want to understand where all of these things come together in say a neural network and you know, how, what does that look like? Uh, the, the TensorFlow uh, playground, I think, is amazing for helping people who are kind of visual learners understand what is going on. How, what, what is this? How does this all work? To see those, to see the, those graphics just kind of change as the nodes, as, as the neurons start to come together and the patterns start to form it really kind of it really kind of explains what the what do the weights mean and what you know where's y equals mx plus b come into all of this you know if you can if you can if you can connect y equals mx plus b to what's going on you're good to go Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. I'm definitely a much more visual learner myself. I, I, I for sure, <laughs> I much prefer to see the pretty visualizations I and mean, get an inherent understanding for what's like happening behind the scenes. And then I tend to try and figure out the maths myself and kind of derive it myself almost. And then I know I can tweak things and and make them do something different in that case. And so uh, that's just how my brain works. I think, but <laughs> I find well, that very easy. Absolutely. I think all of our brains work that way because. I mean, when it comes right down to it, it, for you, it's this image, but the image tells a story. And that's why things like podcasts work for programming, right? You can't, we can't show you the code over audio, but we can tell the story. Right. We yeah. can walk you through the process. We can give you the concepts. We can outline, you know, essentially, you know, and, and sometimes it's even, hey, we all know this story. You know, we've all seen Jurassic Park. And so it's like this part in the movie where this happens and then this happens and this this happens and that's what we've created here. Yes, that that that's it. And and that that kind of connection to story and to concepts is what I'm trying to drive home. This is not an abstract thing. It it is something that you can see. Mm-hmm. in everyday life you know just go to facebook you, you can see go to yahoo you know i mean my wife kept complaining to me that she kept seeing a certain kind of story on yahoo and it was very upsetting to her and i was like well you know why you keep seeing those stories and she said why you know i mean isn't it terrible that this is happening so much i'm like 
no, it's just that every time you click on that story, you're telling Yahoo you want to see more. <laughs> it's true. So she was like, oh. So I challenged her to not click on any of them for I don't know, a week or two weeks. I forget how long it was. And miraculously, this thing stopped happening in the world. So yeah, it touches us in, us, in our everyday life. So we have to kind of be cognizant of it. Yep, absolutely. So do you want to just walk us through kind of the outline for the course and what you teach people there? Sure. I would be happy to if you give me a moment to pull up the table of contents. Oh, nice. One okay. So, yeah. So basically what we're doing is we start out with the absolute basics. So I'm going to explain what, you know, what is supervised learning and unsupervised learning and reinforcement learning to kind of give you a basics of, okay, this is what machine learning is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now let's get a, a, a quick refresher on the math that we're going to talk about. You know, this is what the slope of a line is, and this is what scalars and vectors and tensors are, and this is what matrices are and how we can do arithmetic with them. And, you know, it's not difficult. This is how it works. Now let's get everything set up. You know, let's get your environment set up. We'll set up Python and TensorFlow and you know, these are the projects that we're going to do and so on. Because all of this is based on doing specific, useful projects like filtering spam out of your email, that sort of thing. So we start out, well, we start out with supervised learning because, you know, that's the most straightforward. We talk about, you know, how to visualize data and, you know, what cost functions are mm -hmm. and, and so on. And then after we've done that, we, let TensorFlow go in and actually do the hard work of doing it for you so that you don't have to do it yourself. Then we're going to we go more deeply into supervised learning to talk about things like, you know, algorithms like K-nearest neighbor. And then we actually go ahead and build a real spam filter. So we'll go ahead and show you, okay, this is how you get a spam database and this is how you get some mail and this is how you know these are it's one of those things where it's like this mysterious thing of how does the computer know that it's spam you know what? it's not really that mysterious <laughs> so you know and also while we're while we're doing that we'll also classify emails that are sort of anti-spam so i think I, I i set them as spam ham and steak so you know the stake, of course, being the ones that you want to get to first. So once we've done that, we're comfortable in supervised learning. Now we'll talk about unsupervised learning. We'll talk about different clustering algorithms, k-means. I've got actually a nice section in there to talk about what you need to know for programming. We did a lot in here with Kubernetes. Kubernetes. Oh my goodness gracious. Sorry, I've had a very long day, as you, you may be able to tell. That's fine. We we do edit yes. these, so I'll yes, I appreciate it. Oh my God, I'm trying to think of the name. What is the name of the Python graphing program? My brain just fell out. Not pandas. Well, whatever it is, I'll I'll come back to it. So we're good with supervised learning at this point. We're going to come back talk about unsupervised learning. And we'll talk about clustering, clustering algorithms. We did actually talk in the class a lot about how to use Python to create graphics, including animating data, which 
was actually a lot of fun when you come right down to it. And then we'll talk about things like K-means clusters and we'll talk about Twitter trends. So, you know, when you see that trend on the side of the your Twitter feed, what does that mean? How did they decide on that? I mean, I don't obviously know the actual algorithm they need they use, but we'll show you the concept and let you do it yourself. Um, you can create, uh, you can understand how a machine learning routine can understand what words relate to each other and how. And that is something that, you know, does seem like one of those mysterious things. Then we'll talk about neural networks. Okay, so what are they? We'll go to the playground and, you know, get a good sense of how they how they work and how you can manipulate them, you know, sizes and layers and what happens if you change this or change that or change the other thing. And then we'll talk about how to use them to do handwriting recognition. We'll talk about the concepts behind behind things like entropy loss, uh, cross entropy loss rather, uh, softmax, how to prevent something called overfitting if you've never heard of overfitting, basically it's when your model memorizes the data. So it does really well on your test data, but is not as useful in the actual real world. And then we'll go on to some more, some more advanced topics. We'll talk about encoding and representation. So what is, you know, when you have an image, how does the computer actually see that? How does it actually understand things like time series data or audio. How does it understand how to deal with that? And then we'll go through things like ensembles where we're going to chain together different models to get even better performance, I'm sorry, accuracy. And then we'll talk about things like performance and so on. And then finally, we will talk about ways to do machine learning with other APIs other than TensorFlow because the book is the the course is based on TensorFlow mm -hmm. but you know obviously it's not the only thing out there so that was it that was probably longer than you wanted but there's a lot of information in there and uh, I really enjoyed putting it together sounds like the one-stop shop <laughs> I, everything I you want to know about machine learning <laughs> I was going to okay. say, I think I, I can just go level up on this stuff. Well, <laughs> there you go. I mean, the, the idea behind it is to give you enough of a background in everything so that, well, I had a physics teacher who put it best when I was in college. He said, this course is going to teach you a little bit about a lot of things. And the, the good thing about that is later, when you want to learn more about those things, your brain will think that you already know and it will accept the information more easily. It's like the difference between a wet sponge and a dry sponge, you know? The, if you put a dry sponge underwater, the water just kind of rolls off of it for a while. You put the wet sponge in the water and it just goes. So I'm, I'm trying to wet your brain so that when you wanna know more about these topics, you can just soak it in. Yep, that makes sense. Nice, well, are there other things that we should talk about here? I guess one area that I'm wondering about is you put this together with an eye toward helping people get into machine learning and we're seeing a lot more companies adopt it. Where do you think machine learning is going to go from where we're at now? 
Oh my goodness. So I think that there are definitely a couple of different ways that machine learning is going to become much more important in in corporate and industrial life. Uh, from a technical standpoint, I think we're going to see much more of machine learning and other artificial intelligence related algorithms and and such controlling how software behaves. So there are already companies out there that do things like use machine learning to predict when there will be better prices for Amazon spot instances. And so they might move your workloads over to a cheaper instance over there to save you money. And they might know, oh, those instances are likely to go away in the next three hours. We're going to go ahead and move your workload back to a regular instance so that there's no disruption. So there's technical places for it. There's also commercial places for it. So, you know, there are companies that use machine learning to predict, you know, these are people that you should be marketing to. These are different things that you should be selling. Predictive analytics has been around for a long time. And, you know, these are all things that machine learning is involved in. And so even corporations and and companies and developers who don't necessarily think that they're building a technological product, they may be in a position where they're really going to need to understand how this all works. Very cool. I kind of want to ask Jason the same question. Jason, where do you see machine learning going from where we're at? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> These are definitely like juicy questions to be asking. I think my personal opinion, this is this is not Google's, is basically that over the next few decades, we'll see more systems where the human and computer work together to be better than they can be individually. I think we're that kind of sweet tipping point in that space. So we already see this in like the medical industry where we have like these like brain tumor scans and things like this that are analyzed by the AI systems to give better accuracy than just the human doing it alone, especially when the human's trying to work 24-7, you're going to get errors otherwise, and this can do it in like a split second and run 24-7 with higher accuracy. So I think things like that will will definitely, we'll see more of that across industries. So maybe it's in farming, maybe it's in other places too, and we'll see optimizations across all of those fields, unintended. (laughs) And then basically looking further towards the future, as these systems get more general and they're not just working in the field right narrow AI and they start to get more general, then we can maybe see things expand further beyond that and uh, we'll have more generic systems to cope with certain types of tasks and applications, that kind of stuff. But that's much further in the future. I think right now we're at that narrow AI phase where we can do one or a few things as good or better than a human counterpart. And um, that's where we're kind of sitting right now. And when they work together, that's kind of the benefit at the moment. Cool. I'll be interested to see where it goes. I'm still new enough to where I, I just find it amazing at the stuff that it does. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I still have my mind blown every time I think I've seen everything. Some new research comes out. I'm like, what? <laughs> How is this even possible? So, yeah, I think that, 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 that just never goes away. There's always some amazing stuff coming out in this field continue yep. to my mind absolutely it is, it is amazing and, and like i was saying earlier uh, there there are places only the phds can play and, and thank goodness they're in there doing that because mm-hmm. you know it, it is amazing yep absolutely well i'm going to go ahead and throw out a url really quickly 
and basically the way that this works for folks that want to get a copy of the course is you can go to devchat.tv slash mere mortals and I'll make it so that you can do it with or without the dash and it'll just redirect you. But anyway, you enter your email address and then it enters you once. And then you can also go share on social media and stuff and it'll enter you multiple times. We're giving out five copies of the course. I've worked this out with Manning Publishing. And then if you don't win, then we'll send out a coupon and you can get like, I think it's 35% off. So anyway, that, that's what we're doing. So yeah, hang in there. If you want to get this course, go to devchat.tv slash mere mortals. We'll let it run for about two weeks after the, the episode goes live. And then yeah, we'll send out an email and either say, here's your code to redeem, or it'll say, sorry, you didn't win, but here's how you get the discount. Sound good? All right, let's go ahead and do some picks. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Jason, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure. So one thing I saw recently was by a guy called Chris Greening, who made an amazing YouTube video explaining how he used TensorFlow.js for creating this Sudoku solver with optical character recognition. And the reason I pick this is because it it's the best video write-up I've ever seen. <laughs> it goes into like how he actually broke down the problem and solved each part. So both from the computer science side, the vision side, and the machine learning side. And it's like it's a very like great end-to-end video, but I highly rec- recommend people check out just to see how his mind works, honestly. It's very interesting to see. Nice. I'm going to jump in here with some picks. My first pick, honestly, is, and and it's just because I'm excited for it, uh, the next book in the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson is coming out. And so I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. And I can't remember the title of it because we've been talking about machine learning. And anyway, so I'll put a link to it so you can pre-order it or whatever. And yeah, loving that. And then I'm also going to pick the Developer on Fire podcast. And uh, I, I believe, Nicholas, you were on that. So we'll put a link to that podcast and then also put a link in to Nicholas's episode there so you can see what he talked about on there. Thank you for that. And uh, Nick, what are your picks? All right, so my picks, I will throw in a shameless plug for, uh, for the machine learning from their morals course, of course. But I'm actually really excited about, for those uh, in the developer space, uh, if you work with Kubernetes at all, I'm really excited about the Kubernetes Lens IDE. It's, uh, Kubernetes can be such a pain in the posterior to work with, particularly if you have multiple clusters. And uh, it's, uh, the, the Lens IDE makes it so much easier and there's some really exciting things coming with it. So I'm very excited about that. Awesome. And if people want to connect with you online, where do you usually spend your attention? Absolutely. The best place probably to get me is on Twitter. I'm uh, at Nick Chase. I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't check it very frequently, I confess. So, so Twitter is definitely going to be the best place to get me. Awesome. 
I'm happy. And by the way, anybody who, if you tell me that you heard this podcast and you've got the book and you have any questions, I am very happy to help you. Just let me know what you mean. Sounds good. Well, we appreciate that. And I know our listeners do too. I think that's pretty much it. Just a quick reminder, that's devchat.tv slash mere mortals. And uh, yeah, we'll wrap this one up. Until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.